everybody. My name is Josh Remini. I am the pharmacist that de-prescribes drugs by giving people health and wellness tips, tricks, hacks to moving their health from maybe not so good to vibrant. Follow along if you're ready to go beyond the pills. Hello, everyone. My next guest on the summit here is a very good friend of mine and colleague. We've gotten to know each other quite a bit over the years. Also, my neighbor in pharmacy in Charlotte, North Carolina. We have Amina Abubakar. I'm going to read her little bio and then we're going to get started because we're going to have a lot of good nuggets in this one today. Amina graduated from the Philadelphia College of Pharmacy in 2005. She's the owner and manager of Avant Pharmacy and Wellness Center, brand new name in pharmacy in Charlotte, formerly known as Rx Clinic Pharmacy in Charlotte, and also the founder of the Avant Institute. She is an internationally recognized, award-winning clinical pharmacist, certified HIV specialty pharmacist, a preceptor to UNC Chapel Hill residents and students from several other schools of pharmacy. She has recently bestowed the honor of the National Community Pharmacists Associations as the 2020 Independent Pharmacist of the Year and also received a 2020 Bowl of Hygieia from North Carolina Association of Pharmacists for outstanding community service in our community. She's fostered an environment that showcases impact of community pharmacists on patient care, especially collaborating with medical providers, expanding pharmacist-led clinical services in the community and to pharmacists nationwide. Her desire to help others advance the pharmacy profession inspired her to found the Advant Institute to offer training to pharmacists across the country on the practical application of clinical pharmacy services through developing sustainable physician collaborations. Currently, she shares a passion for pharmacy advancements with pharmacists, patients, and policymakers all over the country through pharmacogenomics. It's been a big piece for her and also been invited to the White House of the Sciences and Technology Policy and to the FDA to discuss the role of pharmacists in pharmacogenetics. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, Amina Abubakar, my friend, how are you? Great. Thank you for having me. It's just good. We are neighbors, but now we get to work together and even taking what we do locally outside of our community. So I really appreciate you taking the opportunity to find all these things and align it for our colleagues around the country. It's a great job. Yes, this is a big passion of mine and yours, and it just felt right. Like we had to get this thing together. So I'm excited. I'm so privileged and happy to have known you over the years. Our journeys are pretty similar in respects because we started right at the same time, right? We started our pharmacies at the same time, and then we started our personal branding towards other pharmacies at the same time. You with clinical services and collaboration of physicians, me on the wellness side. So let's get to it. I want to hear your story. Let's talk to other people because there may people out there that even though you are the super pharmacist that I know doing all this good stuff for our profession, there are probably a couple people on here that may not know who Amina is. So let's talk a little bit about you, where you've come from, and then we're going to dive deep into that piece because this theme is beyond the pills, right? And you've done a superior job in your, what I call your zone of genius of really talking about collaborating with physicians and working in a different environment. So let's talk a little bit about you and your story and what you do, where you came from, and we'll go from there. 
Yes. Well, my journey is a little different. I, of course, had the desire of always thinking outside the box to a point where I was born and raised in Kenya. And I just dreamt like there was life bigger and better elsewhere. And so I started a lot of planting seeds of what the future could look outside of my own comfort zone. So I was fascinated with 90210 and it showed me all the possibilities of the USA. So after high school, I packed. I was very brave and came to the United States and started my journey all alone. So by myself, did undergrad and went to pharmacy school. I don't come from a background of entrepreneurs. You know, I don't come from a background of anyone that even just left like I did. So I was the first one in my family to keep pushing boundaries of what I wanted to do. So after pharmacy school, I came to Charlotte, North Carolina, and I had a little dilemma as an international student when I graduated. I was very passionate about clinical pharmacists. I wanted to be a clinical pharmacist, but my reality was different. I only had one year to legally be in the U.S. and make a change of my status. So I needed an employer that believed in me that would sponsor my visa so I could stay here and continue my mission. So because of that, I had to withdraw from the residency route. And I was like, I don't know if I could gamble one year with just residency. What if they don't employ me? What if they don't like me? What if I don't like them? So it was too much to gamble. And I accepted a job with CVS. It guaranteed me to have that employer sponsorship and work. That's where I started my journey. I've always been a community person at heart. So I love everything I did for my patients at CVS. But then, you know, you get constrained. You're like, there's only so much you can do. You keep seeing the value that you can bring to the patients, but you are limited. So I was one of those pharmacists. And then I had a crazy idea that I could open a pharmacy. <laughs> and that's a whole different story. But here I am. So open the pharmacy in 2009. We made 13 years this year. So I tell the team, guys, we're teens now. So no more crawling. We have to start driving soon. So it's kind of like get everyone on driver's ed, you know, ready and prepared. And so that's a little bit of my background into community pharmacy. Yeah. And we opened in 2008 and it's the same process. We both worked for CVS. We got sick of the patient care. We wanted to do it better. Right. And so my whole philosophy now is don't be better, be different. We all know when you tell someone that you own a pharmacy or you're an independent pharmacy, the first question they ask you is, how do you compete with CVS? Right. How do you compete with Walgreens? And I always tell them I don't compete with them. We do way different. So your pharmacist, you started your own business. We both got through that woes. We've gotten through the 10-year mark. And now you've perfected this concept of physician collaboration, which I think is a huge value to not only our professions moving forward. So tell us a little bit about the genesis of that first. Give us a little bit of that story, because I think that's really important. This didn't happen because someone else was really doing it, right? You had to think about it. So tell us a little bit about that journey So that journey, even when I was at CVS, I always had the curiosity of these patients, right? They provide you a prescription. Three months later, 
it's been discontinued, they're on a new medication, or you do all this great work, you fill the prescription, they don't come for it, we return to stock, right? So there are always question marks about how much do they know about their condition? How much do they know about why they're on these medications? So I always had that curiosity to sit down with the patient and really figure out what is going on. But we didn't have the time to do that. So during that process, I did have high touch points with some of the patients and they would go back and tell their provider, oh, this pharmacist pulled me aside and talked to me, especially the HIV patients, because I was very passionate about HIV from my background of coming from Africa. That was a death sentence for many people. So that to me was always that could people live longer? You know what the medications are out there. So I would pull patients that I felt that were not adherent and have really a heart to heart conversations with them. And sometimes I was brutal. I said, man, where I come from, people would die for the opportunity you have. When I go back home, people ask me if I have any medicine. We've been filling your medication, calling you. You have programs that are paying for you. Can you tell me why you don't want to take it? And so they will say, well, you made me feel bad. I never thought about it. Because when you don't know what else other people are going through to get the opportunity you have, you take it for granted. So they would then, switch and say, you know what, I'm going to take my medications. And so some of the providers were curious as like, hey, what happened? How did you convert this patient to be adherent? And so that had built some relationship that I had and they would call me anytime they were initiating a new therapy. And in the Charlotte area, it looked like some of the patients were utilizing their primary care for their HIV care. They didn't want to switch So the primary care, they were not as equipped to handle all the complexities of taking on the HIV medications and then have all these drug interactions with everything else. So they started to rely on me. They would text me. So can I have your phone number? I'm initiating this. Are we good? Can I send them to you? And I was doing that all out of CVS. So when I moved and I was in my own pharmacy, a lot of my patients were the advocates. They wanted everyone else to experience that level of care. So they will tell their providers, if you have your HIV patient, send them to her. She really cares. And there were things that patients would say, you never asked me how I got it. Everywhere else, people are curious. I was like, it doesn't matter. You have it now. Let's just manage it. So doing that, I got close to some providers. And then I realized how hard it was for me as a pharmacy business owner to understand how the heck the math of reimbursements work. (laughs) So that became a point of frustration that I love what I do. I hate what they're doing to us. How do I shift from not being related to this product? Because clearly they don't see my value in taking this product and giving to the patient. But all these providers who've been reaching out, they want something from me that has nothing to do with the product. And so those discussions and me helping them, it built my value. I started seeing that they need me. They just don't know how to pay me. So before we had great margins and you could go extra miles for patients, talk to them because you had cushion where you could afford to do that. But as those margins got thinner and thinner, I asked myself, how do I continue to do what I really like? And I'm very passionate about it. But how do they pay me? And so that became my first digging the shovel. There's no road ahead. Right. I don't want to be hired by them. I love having the opportunity to be creative and to solve problems and just to do it. But I said, okay, going to get my first shovel and I'm going to go into curiosity. How does ambulatory care work? 
if these pharmacists can be hiding these systems, clearly, legally, they can do all this. I see they don't have to worry about how they get paid because they are on salary. How do I take the same thing and take two independent people to create a vertical integration lookalike where I can come in, I can do activities and you can pay. And so the first provider told me, if you can figure it, I mean, I would pay you because I need you on my team. And that became, where do I find my answer? So I took the ambulatory care model. I looked at what they were doing and we took a few codes and I sat with the provider and said, what if I did this work? It shows you can supervise me and you can bill for it and pay. And we did it. And I couldn't believe when those claims came clean, we got paid. And that's where I discovered there is a way to do this with providers, especially the population I was serving. They were Medicare, they were Medicaid. So we needed to come up with a way to still serve that population, still help that provider, but I'm not going to do it for free. Well, there's a huge component. Like I want to do your genetics because you are totally an entrepreneur. And I, I know the genetics behind a SNP for entrepreneurship. So I'll let you know that later because what you did is exactly that. Like you took a problem, right? And you solved it. Like that's what entrepreneurship does, right? It takes an existing thing that nobody has solved or hasn't solved the right way. And you went into it, but you took it from a standpoint of how do I create positive space? They need me. I created their value. They couldn't figure it out because you're great at this. So you figured it out for them, right? You made it easy, fun, and lucrative. I love those three things when they come together. And you were serving a niche market, right? You took something that you were passionate about, which is always important, right? And then you took that passion, created an, a niche for yourself, and then you relate it over to your problem. And you say, how do I make this work? So I love that piece. So let's unpack that a little bit, right? You now created this idea. You executed the idea, which is super important because we all have entrepreneurs. We have thousands of ideas that never get anywhere off our brain, right? You took this you got that first claim and then that became, how do I do more of this? Yeah. How do I figure this thing out? And so walk people through a little bit of the beginnings of this, but then let's move forward to where are we now? Because I think that's the real key piece is we're planting seeds for pharmacists. We want them to do these things. You didn't wait for provider status, right? You said, no. I'll take this provider they have status. They need me. This is a legitimate transaction because NPs, pharmacists, we've all worked in a collaborative team in the hospital setting under medical. So you figured out how to bill medical for your services and then piggyback off the NPI to then get paid with a collaboration. And what was your response in the first couple of doctors or first couple of patients in that clinic? Was it immediate success for you? And was it like a win-win? No, it wasn't. Because one, there was a win-win in the value. Thank you. Thank you for taking care of me. Thank you for taking care of my parents. Someone would bring their parents to see the provider. The provider will say, hey, before you leave, you're going to sit down with the clinical pharmacist and you're going to that. So, of course, there was a win because we've always known that there's a need, right? In the U.S., healthcare is so transactional. Just sitting in front of those families that are battling ongoing diagnosis and processing it and having to live with, it's already a lot. So having that additional support that was not a 15-minute 
visit was so rewarding for both the patient, me as the pharmacist, and their provider because they give kudos to the provider saying thank you for caring enough to bring someone else that could sit down with us beyond the 15 minutes. So that was it. Now came the piece of, okay, is this scalable? Can we do this every day? Is this every pair? And we found at that time, the only codes that we had available was the Medicare because Medicare had just shifted into value-based. And I had not understood that concept very well. I had heard it, but I didn't know what it really meant. And so that was the beginning of what Medicare will now transform to say, you're going to have acute needs and you're going to have preventative needs. We got to meet this patient's upstream, basically, if they need certain care gaps to be closed, which would lead us to decrease hospitalization, avoid amputations, right? We need clinicians to start looking at this. But our system isn't set for that in these practices. They're like doctors, I realized early on, they were like, wow, that was good, but I couldn't sit there and just talk about prevention. (laughs) And I was like, really? You couldn't? They're like, no, I want to dig in and find the diagnosis, right? I'm not looking as like, how do I prevent you from getting there? I'm waiting for you to get the diagnosis so you can come in and see me and I fix you. So I was like, oh, already I can see why we could be a good partner because I'm not looking to do the diagnosis. I'm looking to know if these are markers coming up, you're headed there, right? I want to prevent you. So that's how I started. And then I realized we needed to be very educated on the medical billing and the coding because some claims came with rejections. No one in their practice knew what those rejections meant. And so again, it was the next shovel. How do we become subject matter expert for this practice so they don't run away? Because we got some denied claims. And we realized some of the contracts, what the claims were saying, hey doc, you're already getting paid for this service because we bumped your fee schedule by X percent. We expect you to do this without getting paid. The providers didn't know that. That's what they signed. They are responsible to continue doing these services because they got a 5% bump, but they were still doing the same things. You know, and so my first ever pharmacist, Olivia, she was like, I'll be your Medicare expert. I'm going to read. She's a rule follower. I'm more creative side. See things want to get it done. But she's going to go into those details to be like, this is exactly what needs to happen. So we kind of piggybacked on that support of our different way of looking at things. And so she became a Medicare expert. So she would guide where these codes would be. And then after that, it's been exponential. We started saying we have to be able to bring X amount of money. And so we would be upfront with the providers that this is what we'll do with the exchange of this code. And we've done that. And that has become just the most profitable arm of our business. Well, that's important. My philosophy, we call it at the Dilworth way, is we'll do what's best for the patient and the business at the same time, every time. And if we do that, we have a recipe for success. So that pharmacy of the future doesn't have to be in the pharmacy, right? So you you had to figure out the billing, right? That was the issue. Because a lot of times if we're going to present value, it's because we're solving problems or pain points. We've had these conversations over the years is pharmacy speak medically, is very different than medical speak. It's not diagnose and then we treat. It's the billing systems, the contracts. They don't know PBM stuff and they just shouldn't. And we never bothered to do the medical. So 
I love that you connected those two and connected the dots with them. You learned how to talk their language, which was the really big piece to that barrier of getting in because you can't talk PBM contracting and Mac pricing and stuff like that to a provider when they have no idea They're just doing their thing and then sending it to the biller. And so I love that you connected those pieces. That was a crucial step for that success. Very crucial because some of the billers had been in these practices for over 10, 15, 20 years. And these were new codes. The doctors were very comfortable on doing just the codes that they know. A new patient, office visit, follow up a few procedures that they were comfortable. And now we brought a code that they had never built before. So the billers were hesitant. They say, I don't know about this doc. I haven't seen it anywhere. I haven't seen it in my previous. (laughs) And so we had to give them that comfort and confidence that this is the direction we need to go. And we are here to support you guys along the way and teach your team and teach your staff that we can do this. And that's the key piece, because now where we are is you made an economically, financially viable system. You can plop a pharmacist into these independent practices because that's where we started, right? Independent and independent. We could talk on some level that says we're all in this together here. We're not big system. You grab those folks from the Charlotte area. Now you've gone beyond that. So let's talk a little of the economics, not necessarily dollar wise, but You can employ a pharmacist. You've done this many times over now. How many pharmacists and clinics do you have right now? So the way we look at it now, it's based on how many lives can we manage? Yeah. When we first started, it was like, how many clinics do you need or where do you need to put them? But our workflow has evolved where we look at the lives that we manage. So we are our own accountable care organization responsible for 5,000 lives. And so what we've done is within our own practice site, we've thought about working at the top of our license. So in the very beginning, our pharmacists did everything from start to finish. While it was great, we may break even, we may make a little bit. However, we started looking at those activities. Should the pharmacist be the one calling the patient to enroll? No, doesn't need the pharmacist. When a pharmacist identifies a care gap that the patient hasn't gotten a vaccine or the patient has not gone to their podiatrist, should they be calling that? No. So once we started doing that, we started having the same knowledge in filling prescriptions. Who types the prescription? who counts the prescription and who verifies the prescription and who checks it out. So when we did that exercise, now we have on staff because we're keeping our next fellows, you know, we moved to a fellowship route as we started growing rapidly to take care of the lives. We now have a little bit over, I would say 20 or 22 pharmacists. That's awesome. And so we give them a business plan. We give them a roadmap and say, you have now gotten to what you wish for, but it's not easy because you have to drive the revenue. You want provider status? Provider status isn't just revenue because you're a provider. The provider gets revenue because they see encounters. They close worthwhile encounters to make their pay. And so we've moved pharmacists to thinking that way. And each one has a business plan and they get to grow themselves and their teams. Which puts the accountability on them, right? Like I always say, are you pulling the cart or are you in the cart getting pulled? And so I love that philosophy because it's a results-oriented workplace. You can't get paid unless you have results. 
which is sort of where we've moved on our wellness side as well. So we call it labor efficiency ratio. It's like for all the labor you're pulling, what's the efficiency you're getting out of it? So I love that model. That's awesome. You don't have 22 pharmacies, right? You have 22 independent people working there. Practitioners working. And I love that space of the evolution, right? In the beginning, we do it all ourselves. Just like when we opened our pharmacies, we did it all. We checked every script. We knew everybody. And then you move into scalability and looking at it from that perspective is what efficiencies can I be doing these pharmacists versus non-pharmacist activities? You took what you knew and you applied it to something else, which is perfect. So take us to where we are today. The Avon Institute is real. It's training pharmacists. It's doing things. Keep us up to speed on what's going on with Devon. So as we went through the evolution, and I know we're giving snippets, right? Like just snapshots. We started understanding the medical payers and how they're grading these providers and what the economic impact would be if they actually met the metrics. And so they were what I call abandoned dashboards in these practices. They had the dashboards. They had the data. No one ever executed on the data. So we have our team now that among our pharmacists, all their role is, is quality and data, like clinical data mining in a practice to say, we probably just need eight patients to unlock $50,000. So we started working smarter. And so as we did that, some of these payers came to the practices and said, this is unusual performance for primary care. Basically like, what the heck is going on here? Why are you guys executing, performing? And so the provider said, hey, it's not really us, it's these guys. So they brought us in and they started teaching us, I'm United Healthcare, this is what I'm looking for the practice. I'm Humana, this is what I'm looking, you know? I'm this ACO that your practice signed up. So we collected all these dashboards and then we built training for our team. Because it's one thing to just get the revenue upfront because you did the fee for service. It's another thing setting these practices up for where the future is going, where it's going to be value-based contracting. If you're good, you're going to get paid more. If you're not, you can do the same thing, but you're not going to get paid as much. So we started practice transformation because we had to be the transformers. So everyone is telling these practices, you got to transform, you got to transform, but they never had a transformer. And to be a transformer, you have to be resourceful. You have to see what the problem is and be able to be creative in getting to those solutions. And you have to have clinical background. So some of these practices, they'll have a practice manager, great people. They have a list of the quality metrics. They don't know how they'll get the A1C reduction. They know it's a goal and they tell the providers, hey, we are 14%. We need to be at 70% based on our metrics for A1C. And the doctor's like, okay, great. Put it on my desk. No one does anything different. You give that to a pharmacist, you go to optimization, lifestyle, and you're starting to get results. With that said, now what we did is we could not scale fast enough and it wasn't my intention. I'm a local person. I feel like with these practices, you don't need a lot to be successful. And so I told our team, it's time to take our information and help others do the same because this is what's needed for practice transformation. So Avant Institute was born so we could use what I call our Petri dish. We could use our lab to try all these things, make sure they work, know the rules around it, the impact to payer, the impact to patient, the impact all around. That's how you make the program sustainable beyond revenue and help others. 
So it's a way of us to scale without us partnering with another doctor, hiring another pharmacist. We just need to cross-pollinate and have everyone else doing this in their backyard, in the community. You could be successful with just one practice. You could be successful with three or four, depending. But I felt comfortable where I was and I wanted to now grow deeper and not wider. Yeah, I love that. Awesome thing is it's the pharmacist it's the doctor's office and also the payer, right? We've figured out how to basically help and please all parties within this space because if the provider's doing the work that the payer wants them to do, it's well strategy, right? If you do what the government wants you to do, they'll help you save money in taxes. There's tax breaks for certain things. So you got to play by the rules. That's a good did, one. Yeah, you better know the rules. And that was the first thing. It's just like the government. They want us to do this so we can do that. And so the payer, the pharmacist and the provider are all working in synergy. There's no one stepping on each other's toes because you're providing the value that they asked for, but these other people didn't know. So again, it's that you solve the problem, which is awesome. And then the goal for this is to transform pharmacy practice, to transform healthcare. So the go-giver that you are is, I need to do this more. So I need to consult others to do this. So now your reach becomes bigger because you help other pharmacies and they help other practices and it becomes this huge thing. So I love that space because that's who I am in wellness. I teach and mentor other pharmacists who want to do that in their practice. You and I are very similar as we want to give back. I transform the way and manner in which pharmacy is practiced for the better. That's how you put your dent in the universe, which I love. So tell us a little bit about Avant today, how people can get a hold of you, get a hold of Avant. You've got some free stuff that people can, because again, we're trying to plant seeds for pharmacists here, right? Go beyond the pills. But the first question everybody asked me, asked you was like, how do I get started? This sounds good to me. This resonates well. Maybe they just want to learn more or maybe they just want to say, well, what's the first step? It's like doing a webinar, then reading a book, then getting a certification and then getting certified. So what's the next step for people? So the next step is, and I'm glad you're doing this as a summit because there are many ways of how we go beyond the pill, right? And this may not be for everyone. However, I believe everyone should have the privilege of knowing what it is. So we have free resources, free webinars that we have done on Avant Institute in the community. So if you're like, wow, I never knew I could do this, that's the first place you start. And then you start to learn more. And if you feel like this is something you want to go towards, then you need a little bit more formal education and thought process. So you don't go to the practices, not speaking their language. And so then we have the courses. We have self-paced courses you can do online, on demand at your own pace. And also we want to meet others who say, I've done on demand. I want to see it. I want to do it. So we want to meet different learners out there at their own abilities and how they'll succeed best. So we have on-site training that we do like four or five times a year where we bring you to our practice sites within a clinic, within the pharmacy. And so you're able to visualize. Some people have to see it and talk to our practitioners who are in it doing it every single day. So what you're experiencing, they have. (laughs) We kept saying nothing is new under the sun. We just have to get our creative wisdom and solve it. So you're not alone. So we have that. And then now we've gone to beyond where we have people we've trained and they've hired a pharmacist on site 
and they're still not producing results. What we did is we examined what did we do different to retain each one of these individuals and how are we successful and they're not. And one thing I learned now is that pharmacy owners may have too many things going on that they're not focused. And you think just hiring this individual that looks good on the resume, is passionate, is enough to get you the results. So we started creating what we call a fellowship model, where we are your back end for your first pharmacist so they can transform and become the director. Because if they don't have the step-by-step mentoring, coaching, reviewing, auditing, and building them up, thought process, logistics, strategy, maybe that's why these folks weren't succeeding. So we did that. We did one pilot with a friend in South Carolina. He said, Amina, help me. So I said, you know what? I'll do this. So we did the interview. We got the person. We did it. It was the beginning of the pandemic, Josh. And to see that what we did for him with that one pharmacist led to three positions by the next year. And I was like, okay, we can do this. So if we have people out there that are like, I have a pharmacy, I have the relationships. I don't have anyone on my team that can be my director. You can become a site with us and we'll take you through that 12 month with your individual. So basically our own fellowship, our own residency from Avant Institute. So we've put all the tools out there that we feel not everyone needs everything, but there's a variety and enough to find and help people be successful. That's beautiful because you're gifting the profession, your knowledge. If I could tell anybody to do anything in this summit is Hire someone to help guide you to compress your time, share the wisdom, experience sharing, because we're not telling people what to do. You're not in the clinic running those folks. You're mentoring them through. And I love being a guide for pharmacists who want to incorporate wellness and don't know how to get started because, yeah, there's a one to three year cycle that people need to become a master at. And so I love that you've gone in your evolution because as you evolved, more challenges come, you solve that one, you test, you validate, you do. And I love that you're a doer and you have this perfect visionary integrator space with you and Olivia, you have vision and you have execution like EOS style. And so I love that about it. So they should go to the Avon Institute website. That's where they can get their information. Yes. So go to Avant Institute website and hopefully you find one nugget that will help you either change your thought process or find an opportunity and let's move our profession forward. Wow. That's a great ending to this conversation because all you're doing is giving people more information and more value so we can move that profession forward. Thank you for that shared passion that we both have, which makes us in our own ways, our own zones of genius just happen to happen next door to each other, which is kind (laughs) of cool. Well, thank you, Amina. Thank you for sharing your passion. Thank you for sharing your vision. And I would hope pharmacists get a ton of value out of what you're doing and providing for our profession. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure being here today. Thanks for listening to the Beyond the Pills podcast. You can find Josh on LinkedIn and Facebook at Josh Rimini and on TikTok at Beyond the Pills. And if you enjoyed today's episode, we'd be forever grateful if you left a review wherever you get your podcasts. If you know somebody who wants to go beyond the pills, send them this episode. If you've got any specific questions or ideas for future episodes, reach out to Josh and send him a message. Thanks again for being a part of the Beyond the Pills community. We'll see you next time. Thank you.